A Raven's Dream Chapter 1 Die, Raven, die. No one saw the raven flutter and alight upon the windowsill in the citadel tower. No one crossed her fingers and said three times, Die, raven, die. No one saw the delicate hand offer the bird a corner of bread. No one heard what was said. No one witnessed any of this, yet uneasiness seeped into the hearts of all who lived in Starside. Chills crept across people's bodies, and forebodings thrummed upon the unseen world of the Mercasine. The raven swallowed its morsel and took flight. Beneath the citadel lay the divide, the great and impervious wall separating starside from moonside. The divide was a monolith of seamless black stone marching seven miles to the harbor and then another five into the Anson Ocean. Moonside huddled unseen beneath its ever-present blanket of fog. What transpired there was known only to the dead and to her enlightened majesty. But the tiled roofs and creamy-sided buildings of Starside shone in the last rays of daylight. The magnificent city spread wide beneath the raven, tumbling in tears downslope toward the sea. The air was clear, the evening crisp. A sliver of moon rose to the east. The raven soared along the divide, carried by cold mountain breezes. It banked left and dove toward a bell tower thrusting heavenward. The dire feeling faded from people's awareness, whether they abided in Grissonside great houses or in cheapskate shacks. In all places, the superstitious tapped their ears and whispered, Till protect me. Some reached for a cup of trez, some merely shivered and went on with their chores. The bird's wings hissed through the air as it passed an opening atop the bell tower. The girl who stood there didn't see it or hear its warning squawk so she didn't cross her fingers and say three times, Die, raven, die. Her bare feet pressed the rough plank floor. Her cat sat nearby, tailed curled around its small white feet. Kyla's eyes shivered and rubbed her arms. Only once before had she come so close to the citadel, the great home of her enlightened majesty. It was, as her brother Wen had repeatedly warned her, stupid to risk it. The farther one ventured uphill from the stinking docks and slums of Cheapskate, the richer the neighborhoods. Here, beneath the citadel, people were very wealthy indeed. But Kyla wasn't here to rob anyone. Not today. Can we go home now? Nax sent to her. The voice of her cat came directly into her mind. Three weeks had passed since the little gray cat with the white chin and socks had bonded to her. Kyla still found the experience eerie but she could not imagine life without it. I'm not finished, Kyla sent back. She hadn't even started. You've been standing here forever. Katz had no sense of time. It had been a quarter of an hour at most. Take a nap, Kyla sent, irritated by the distraction. She needed to concentrate. She and her feline friend had sneaked into the bell tower and climbed its winding staircase so she could get this vantage point overlooking Grissonside. She wasn't supposed to be there, but she needed the view for what she was about to attempt. The tower was open on four sides here, allowing a breeze to waft through. A one-ton brass bell hung in the shadows behind Kyla, etched with a scene from the Theb. She hadn't stopped to study it. Kyla did not believe in the gods. What are you trying to do? Nax sent. There was more impatience than curiosity in the question. 
A feeling of boredom accompanied the cat's sending, making Kyla's arms and legs feel heavy. I'm looking. For what? For whatever I can see. Now hush. Kyla slowed her breathing, counting the in and out breaths to avoid thinking about anything else. This exercise was supposed to help her access her Mercus vision. So far, the vision had only come to her when things were dangerous and her heart was pounding. At first, Wen hadn't believed her stories about the vision, about how she could see metal objects hidden inside pockets or through walls. Once convinced, he'd pressed her to master the skill. Such an ability offered obvious advantages for a thief. So here she was, to practice. And she had better succeed, because Coin was running low and Wen needed another batch of Finta's Song's medicine. The sun was sinking behind the mountains that backed the citadel, the massive wedge-shaped fortress thrust from the mountains like the prow of a great ship, narrowing to merge into the divide. It was said her enlightened majesty sometimes strolled along the divide, the only place she was allowed to venture without her fell guard in attendance. The central tower soared upward, windows lit from within by Mercus lights. To Kyla, it seemed a cold and foreboding place, much better to live in Grissonside, in a warm mansion surrounded by family. Her enlightened had nobody. The odd mood that had passed over her before returned, and she shivered again. Her breathing exercise was not working. Are you seeing something? Nax asked. She had stretched herself in a fading patch of sunlight. The tip of her tail flicked with impatience. Kyla gave up counting breaths. It was a boring waste of time. Besides, it took her in the wrong direction. Usually when the Mercus vision happened, it was preceded by a feeling she called the zing. The word described how her body felt when it happened. The world came to her with such clarity. Every sight, smell, and sound sharpened. The texture of all she touched more finely detailed. The only thing that reliably brought the zing into Kyla's body was danger. That's what she needed now. She bounced on her toes and swung her arms. The bell tower offered a unique opportunity to scare her witless, which was just the thing she needed. The north side of the tower faced the divide. Running parallel to it was the star side wall. Its top was just above the bell tower and no more than 300 paces away. There were no watch patrols up there now, so no one would see her. On the south side was a small plaza surrounded by shops, serving the radiant families of Grissonside. Directly below were the Baths of Ori, a compound dedicated to followers of the goddess. A rectangular pool steamed in the evening glow. Near to it stood the domed temple where the public could seek the assistance of the sensuals. Nobody was out and about at the moment, the stores having already closed for the day. Dinner would be steaming on plates around the quarter soon. Kyla leaned farther out and craned her neck to look up, toward the bell tower roof. The eaves overhung a little bit, not so much that she could easily reach. The mortar between the bricks had eroded in a few places, offering nice finger holds. A low white railing provided a step. Thinking too long about stunts always made them more dangerous, so she stepped onto the railing, turned, and jammed her fingertips into the shallow gaps in the brickwork. She hung there, one foot on the railing, fingers of her right hand dug in. She didn't look down, but just the thought of the drop below her toes sent a wave of nervous heat washing over her. 
She spotted a protrusion of brick trim work above the opening. She pushed off with her toes, pulled with her fingers, and reached with the other hand. Got it. She found a crevice for one toe, enough to let her firm up her finger grip on the trim work. Her palms grew clammy as the distance below her pulled at her mind. What are you doing? Nax asked. I'm going onto the roof. I want to come. Hanging a hundred paces over empty air by her fingertips, Kyla wasn't exactly in a position to pick up the cat. Maybe next time. Hold still, Nax sent. Kyla realized what the cat was going to do. Nax, no, wait. Too late. The cat leapt onto the railing, then onto Kyla's dangling leg. Claws stabbed into Kyla's calf, thigh, buttocks, waist, back, shoulder, and scalp as the small gray cat scaled her like a tree trunk. And then the weight of the little beastie left her entirely. Gritting her teeth to hold on while her body flared from fiery scratches, Kyla looked up. All she could see was the little gray's hind legs and tail. You fleabag! You kill-lickin' tangleball! Nax turned to look down at her. Come up! The view is interesting! Still swearing under her breath, Kyla released a hand and found the edge of the roof. A moment suspended, dangling by one hand, then her other hand found purchase. Hefting and grunting, she worked her way onto the roof. She blew out a long breath, and a nervous chuckle came out unbidden. That was stupid, even for me. I thought the same thing. The conical roof sloped gently upward. A thick staff protruded from the central peak, a gold-plated circle mounted on the top, the symbol of Ori. Kyla planted herself on the roof, one arm hooked around the post to keep herself in place. The view was grand, and nobody would see her here, not unless her enlightened came out to the tip of the citadel. Even then, she'd need a spyglass. Nax nosed around the roof, walking to the very edge and thrusting her face over. Kyla knew the cat was sure-footed enough not to fall, but her stomach lurched just watching. That feeling was exactly what she'd hoped for, and now that she was up here, she knew she'd eventually have to go back down. Thinking about it made her heart thump faster. Good. Descending was more gut-clenching, because you had to look down to find your footing. And then it happened. The zing arose, sending chills across her scalp. The smell of chimney smoke hit her nose. The call of a distant raven came to her ears. She looked for it down the length of the divide, but the only birds in sight were gulls. The view was fantastic. The entire city spread before her, from the citadel to the merchant's quarter of Terracide. The main thoroughfare of the city, the Street of Sorrows, wended its way in long switchbacks down toward the docks. Far away, the empty ruins of the blasted quarter skirted along the southern stretch of the outer wall. The buildings there were crumbled messes, with many walls missing, exposing empty chambers within. To the east, beyond the city wall, lay the smoky slums of Cheapsgate, bordering the docks. Ships were moored there with bare masts, while farther out, one of Her Enlightened Majesty's ships patrolled the mouth of Brinstow Bay. Five miles to sea, the massive sea bastion hunkered at the end of the divide like a shining white boulder, its thousand-foot flash tower thrusting toward the clouds. From Kyla's perch, it was a vague shape, lost in haze and the growing darkness. Kyla slid her fingers over the wooden shingles beneath her, feeling the ridges of the grain. She smelled something rotting beneath the shingles, like damp leaves. 
The zing passed over her like a wave, her arms prickled and chilled. Now she would try the Mercus vision. As far as she could tell, the Mercus vision required her to relax her eyesight, not let it go out of focus, but instead to let her eyes see the world without naming anything in it. The roof was no longer a roof. The shingles were no longer shingles. The divide and the citadel were not what they were called, just what they were. Only the unnamed world could reveal what she wanted to see. Metal, preferably gold and silver. And then it happened. The pole she had her arm hooked around began to glow with a reddish light. Iron. The circle of Ori glowed a bright gray. Steel. The circle also shed an orange-yellow haze, gold from the thin coat of leafing. These glows didn't shed light onto anything. They were auras in Kyla's vision of the unnamed, not lights in the world of the named. She turned her attention to the starside wall just beneath the divide. Sharp and tiny lines showed her where whale oil lanterns were mounted on iron posts along its top. Below her, more red glows showed sewer grates, wrought iron fences, and garden gates. The brass bell beneath her glowed greenish-yellow and was so big she felt it throbbing through her bones as if it were ringing. She turned her eyes to the pinnacle atop the citadel tower. Silver and nickel. She could not imagine why so much silver would be put to such a useless purpose. That was rich folk for you. She looked to Grisson's side. Drain gutters glowed the reddish-orange of tin alloyed with copper. These gutters lined the roofs of all the magnificent houses here. She wondered how many copper coins could be made from the downspouts alone. It's working, she sent to Nax. I see metal everywhere. You could have found metal in the Warren. Kyla wasn't sure if Nax was missing the point on purpose, or if she was just trying to get a rise out of Kyla. Cats could get surly when bored. I'm looking for things to steal, she sent. It was better for them both if Kyla was direct. Oh, good idea. And that was that. Nax was satisfied. So much so, she climbed onto Kyla's shoulder and nudged her with her soft face. Kyla scratched Nax beneath the ears and kept studying the city. Most of the metal she saw would be obvious without the Mercus vision. Nobody would bother stealing lamp posts or iron fences anyway. She chose one home nearby. It had cedar shingles and brickwork walls coated over with the creamy white pargo common to the city. Deep blue storm shutters were hooked open. A wrought iron handrail climbed the front steps to the entry. Brass knocker on the door. More alloy gutters lined the roof. On an outbreath, Kyla relaxed her vision further. Tiny sparks showed her the latches on the windows. Good. Those were inside the house. Even if she had a spyglass, she wouldn't be able to see them from where she sat. But the Mercus showed the glows and sparks of the latches clearly. Show me more, she said to herself. The metals glowed in her vision. There had to be much more of it inside the house. A hazy brass shape hung beyond a second-floor window. Kyla thought it was a lantern. A wall sconce, perhaps. But that was it. Nothing more came to her. The metals were too far away, or they were behind too much other material. How am I going to get down? Nax sent. Kyla let the Mercus vision go and regarded the little gray. You should have thought of that before climbing up my body. You do see that, don't you? No. Kyla couldn't help but laugh. 
Nax was smart in so many ways, but there were blind spots in her thinking. She couldn't count or even comprehend numbers above four. She had little sense of time or distance, and clearly she wasn't great at planning ahead. What are you, Naxie? she sent, fondly stroking the cat's short, soft fur. She had asked this question dozens of times since bonding with the cat. Nax lifted her face and squinted at Kyla. I'm a cat. What do you talk to the other cats about? We don't talk. Nax's agitation with the tedious questions came as heat prickling across Kyla's scalp. You never say anything to them? We know each other's minds. The cat hopped down from Kyla's shoulder and stretched. Get me down from here. Kyla considered the odd statement. Nax had emphasized the word no, as if knowing was something they did to each other. You share thoughts without words? I suppose. Kyla could tell Nax was getting bored with the conversation. Cats did not like talking about things they didn't understand. Are you a domain? She asked. I don't think so. So you're saying you could be a domain? The Don'ts Masters of the Way of Till claimed cats were possessed by evil spirits called domain. That's why the Don'ts Masters killed every cat they could get their hands on. Hence the two gold skillet bounty they paid for every cat. Nax answered with an irritable meow. Kyla laughed and said aloud, Let's get down from this tower and find some trouble to get into. Hop on. Holding on to the iron pole, Kyla took one more look around. The sun had sunk beyond the mountains, leaving their peaks silhouetted against a darkening sky. Night would soon cover the city, just as Kyla liked it. How are we getting down? Nax asked. Very carefully. Good idea.